Welcome to The Corner with your host, Eric Stewart. Hey everyone, Eric Stewart here. Today's podcast is going to be about passengers and vehicles. So I, I feel this question quite a bit about what do you deal, how do you deal with passengers and vehicles? And this specifically, what we're going to focus on, there's a lot of discussion around passengers and vehicles, but this really specifically focuses on dealing with passengers and vehicles when a traffic stop is made for a traffic violation only. So not something where you're stopping the vehicle because you have reasonable suspicion or even probable cause to believe that any or all of the passengers are engaged in some kind of criminal activity. This is simply a discussion about dealing with passengers in vehicles uh, that uh, are in there without any reasonable suspicion or probable cause, they're passengers in a vehicle uh, during a traffic stop or a traffic, traffic infraction only. And what officers can do, and then, you know, can officers demand identification from those passengers? So uh, those are questions that I feel quite, quite commonly so i figured i'd address this in a podcast but before we get started and we've got a couple scenarios that we'll cover in this but before we get started i want to read this disclaimer and again i i pretty much read this for every podcast that we do and so here it goes i'm not an attorney and make no claim to be an attorney i developed these scenarios based on my 38 years of law enforcement experience my professional application of the Fourth Amendment based on case law in the field as a law enforcement officer, and my extensive study of case law pertaining to search and seizure. I developed and am providing this presentation for information only. I make no claim that my interpretations or perceptions um, of case law provided in the answers to the scenarios are correct in any or all circumstances. All government agents and any other person gathering information from this presentation should consult their respective law enforcement agency or agencies, uh, city attorney's office, district attorney's office, state attorney general's office, or United States attorney general's office, or attorney's office, excuse me, United States attorney's office, uh, whichever is applicable uh, for the, for their interpretation and application of this information. So as I said, I feel this question quite, quite commonly. So uh, what we'll do is I'll read you a scenario. We'll talk a little bit about it. Then I've got another, another scenario to follow that kind of continues on in that vein of the discussion. And then ultimately we'll have a discussion about whether or not you can require uh, passengers and vehicles that are stopped for traffic violations only uh, if they have to give you their identification. So Here's the first scenario. A police officer makes a traffic stop on a vehicle. Upon contacting the driver and passenger, the officer determines that the passenger has a warrant for his arrest. The officer arrests the passenger, and upon searching the passenger incident to arrest, the officer finds methamphetamine on the passenger's person. The passenger is subsequently placed under arrest. So here's the question. Can the passenger contest the validity of the stop? Now, again... The, the, the question, and it's not, you know, I mean, anybody can contest anything, and I understand that. Now, this particular question is, if we're talking about a court of law, 
uh, in a court of law. Can the passenger of this vehicle that stopped for traffic violation uh, legally contest the validity of the traffic stop? So what are your thoughts on that? Got an answer? Okay, here's the answer. Yes, the passenger can contest the validity of the traffic stop. So some of you may got it, some of you may not. Uh, for those that did not get it, uh, and even for those that did, I, you know, the, the, what I really want you to get out of this or any of these podcasts is what, what's the constitutional reasoning behind what you do. So whether or not you can do this, why can you do it? Uh, and if you can't do it, I want you to also understand that from a constitutional perspective. So in this particular case, yes, um, passengers can contest the validity of the traffic stop. Now, that's changed. There's an old case, it's called Brenlin v. California, or California v. Brenlin, you'll see it. It's a 2007 case. So we're looking at 16 years now that this has been around, and I can tell you that there's still officers out there because I teach this throughout the state of Colorado. There are still officers, and I still get this question too, there are still officers out there that don't know that this case exists and still believe that passengers are free to leave um, on a traffic stop. So if there's a traffic stop because of a traffic infraction and you have passengers in the car, uh, there's still the belief out there that those passengers are free to leave and off they go and they can just leave if they want to. That's not the case. That that is that changed back in 07 with this Brenlin decision. Brenlin was a passenger in this vehicle, got stopped for a registration violation, or at least that's what was the claim. So the registration showed it was expired on the car. The officer ran the plate and it came back that the registration was in process or progress. Now, I can tell you, having worked out in California for you know nine years, when I worked patrol and when I worked in the gang unit and I'd make stops or run plates, uh, I never recall ever getting a response like that for uh, re expired registration. So that was kind of new to me, but uh, that's what happened in this case. So the officer ended up ultimately making a traffic stop on this vehicle for the registration, uh, even though that was the return he got. Uh, he goes up, contacts the driver, and then ultimately sees the front seat passenger is Brenlin. He recognizes Brenlin, but doesn't remember. He believes he's one of the brother, of, but he recognizes what his last name is anyway. He asks him who he is. Brenlin tells him who he is. Uh, the officer goes back to the, his vehicle, runs Brenlin, finds out he's got a warrant for his arrest, goes up, arrests him, search incident of him out, uh, after the arrest. He finds methamphetamine on him. Brenlin then argues uh, about the, you know, ultimately being charged with the dope on the stop. Brenlin can't do anything about the arrest warrant, um, but he certainly made the argument about the fact that because he was a passenger in a vehicle, uh, and the vehicle was seized for the stop that because he was a passenger, he became seized from a Terry rationale just based on the stop itself. That went to the Supreme Court of the United States. The Supreme Court actually sided with Brendan's argument, uh, saying, in essence, the same thing. The passengers are seized because of the traffic stop. And as a result of that, 
not only did it change precedent for officers, but Brenlin was able to get the, the dope case uh, dismissed or you know dropped on him uh, as a result of that, because now passengers are seized because of the traffic stop, which was, again, different. Now, if you didn't know that, you do know that now. Passengers are seized because of the traffic stop for a traffic violation only, not anything to do with the passengers. They're simply because they're in the car, they have to stop too. There's where the seizure takes place. Now, one thing that you find out about cases uh, and the way the courts use them, when there's an appeal up the court, right, or the court rules on something, they're ruling based on a constitutional question at hand. So in this particular case, it was our passengers seized uh, because of the stop. So the court will address that, which it did in this particular case. Now, even though this completely changed precedent and the court probably realized that there were going to be other questions that come out of that, like, well, how long are they seized for because they had never been seized before? Is it only for the stop itself? Uh, is it only for, you know, until the officer walks up and contacts them, then they're free to leave again? The court doesn't address any of those things. It only addresses the constitutional question or questions if they have more than one at hand. And then they know that there's going to be, especially in this instance, a change of precedent. There'll probably be some other arguments coming down that they'll have to address at some point in another court case. So there's, there's some questions left after this as to, well, how long are they seized for? Um, you know, when does that occur? When are, when are they? Are they ever free to leave? So there was another case that came about after this that kind of addressed some of those things and the legalities around uh, searching individuals on traffic stops. So let me, let me um, uh, passengers on traffic stops. So let's, let's look at the next scenario. An officer makes a traffic stop from, for a valid traffic violation. Upon approaching the vehicle, the officer sees that the vehicle has three occupants and notices that the rear seat passenger appears to be a gang member based on the occupant's clothing. In this particular case, the occupant, this rear seat passenger, was wearing clothing and color of clothing that was indicative of um, the gang that was in this particular area. Okay, so... The officer ultimately then advises the driver of the reason for the stop and then begins to talking to the rear seat passenger. The rear seat passenger tells the officer that he lives in an area that the officer knows has a large street gang, this particular one. Uh, and the passenger also tells the officer that he has spent some time in prison for a crime, had been, had been out of prison for a year, and he wasn't on parole or probation. The officer then asks the passenger to exit the vehicle so the officer can talk to the passenger out of earshot of the other passengers in the vehicle about the occupants or the passenger's possible gang affiliation. Passenger complies and after the passenger exits the vehicle, the officer, absent consent or reasonable suspicion to believe the passenger is, was, or is about to be engaged in, in criminal activity, pats down the passenger. During the pat down search, the officer recovers a handgun from the passenger's waistband. The officer places the passenger under arrest for carrying a concealed weapon, essentially, and this would be a um, possession of a weapon by a previous offender. 
Is that pat down and subsequent arrest valid or did it violate the passenger's Fourth Amendment rights? So what do you think about that? So in this particular instance, that pat down search and arrest ultimately was valid. Now, the reason is, is this was kind of an extension case law, if you will, from uh, Brenlin. And I'll explain that a little bit. This was Arizona versus Johnson. It was a 2009 case. Supreme Court rule, heard it and, and rendered the opinion. And it was playing off Brenlin. So if you think about, again, Brenlin changed things tremendously, right? Precedent change. Passengers are no longer free. They're seized because of the traffic stop. What Johnson did, what the opinion in Johnson did was actually clarify Brenlin a bit and help officers understand. Now, passengers, according to Brenlin, passengers were are seized so they can contest the validity of the stop. Arizona versus Johnson then ruled passengers are seized for the duration of the stop or until the officer lets them go. So now it's very clear that you can detain or officers can detain passengers. They're seized because of the stop throughout the entire uh, traffic stop and do, the, the officers do not have to let them go. So now when you think about that, what are the implications of that? They can't just walk away. They are seized. Based on a Terry rationale in this particular situation, when the officer asked Johnson to get out of the vehicle and he complied, and then he started and he immediately patted him down, that, leading to the gun, the, the finding of the gun, what the officer knew about Johnson or believed about Johnson was he's a gang member, and he also knew that he had been in prison. So he had been, uh, you know, uh, at some point, he, he's a convicted felon at some point. So the officer's articulation around gang members possessing weapons, you know, I spent 20, 20 plus years working street gangs. Uh, it's very clear and it's very easy to articulate that gang members often carry weapons on themselves for, you know, to uh, who knows why, to assault rival gang members, to do whatever it is that they're going to do. So it's pretty easy to articulate that when you are articulating the need to pat down somebody for weapons or specifically a, a potential gang member. Now, going back to why this is important in this particular case, and it feeds off Brendlin, is when you are going to pat somebody down for weapons without consent to, to do so, then you have to have a reason for the stop or the seizure and then you have to be able to articulate a reason why you believe this person's armed and dangerous in order to pat them down. Well, based on the Brenlin decision, and now that passengers are seized, and now that they're seized for the duration of the stop, or until you let them go, you've taken care of the stop piece of it. So now all you have to do is articulate a reason to believe that they're armed and dangerous. And based on that, you don't need to get consent to pat them down. So what, when you think about this from, a, from a, a constitutional standpoint, this actually made it very much easier for officers to not only control people at traffic stops, passengers in traffic stops, but also if you need to pat them down or you start to form the opinion uh, that they may be armed and dangerous, you can pat them down. Prior to the Brenlin case, 
if you had this same scenario and there was no, you know, passenger free to leave, could you order, uh, could you ask that guy to get out of the car? Could you order all the passengers to get out of the car? The answer to that is yes. So there was a case called Pennsylvania versus Mims, a 1977 case that allowed officers on traffic stops to get the driver out of the car uh, and then ultimately potentially pat that individual down. But you could at least demand that he gets out of the car. Maryland versus Wilson, 1997, extended that Pennsylvania versus Mims rationale to all occupants of the vehicle. So, and, and, and the whole hope part of this or what's behind this, the Supreme Court realized how dangerous or the inherent danger associated with traffic stops. Uh, so essentially it has given officers the ability to remove people from vehicles even when they don't have any articulable reason to believe that these guys are armed and dangerous. But if you wanted to get them out of the car, you could. So that's been around for a long time, longer than this case. So in this particular Johnson case, John, the, the officer could have demanded Johnson get out of the car. He asked Johnson to get out of the car, which Johnson complied. Great, right? But he could have demanded him to do that. Now, where this comes in with a Brenlin touch is that once the, the guy seized, so once he gets him out of the car, um, now all he has to do is overcome reason to believe the guy's armed and dangerous. You can articulate that based on what you know. That allows you to pat him down without consent. Prior to Brenlin, prior to them being seized, yes, the officer still could have asked or required Johnson to get out of the car but absent any reason to believe he was engaged in criminal activity, had just committed something, uh, was currently committing something, or was about to commit something, in a situation like that, the officer would have then had to ask him for consent to pat him down. Now, again, I, I've said this in prior podcasts. I think anytime you have the opportunity to ask somebody for consent, do it anyway. In this particular case, could, have, could the officer have done that? He gets Johnson out and says, hey, you don't want my... You mind if I, I pat you? don't have to let me, but you mind if I pat you down for weapons? And Johnson says, no, I really don't want you to do that. The officer could still pat him down for weapons because he can articulate a reason to believe he's armed and dangerous and he's seized. So he would have been able to do that. But again, prior to Brenlin, and in this case, you would have had to ask him for consent. So uh, I think that's hopefully that gives you some clarity around dealing with passengers in vehicles that are stopped based on a traffic violation. They are seized for the duration of the stop or until you let them go. I would tell you, don't ever let them go. And the reason I say this is because legally you don't have to let them go. And if you do let them go, now it's up to you if you want to do this, but if you do let them go, there may be a point, whether it's you get consent or you have another legal theory to get you in the car, and all of a sudden you find contraband that would have belonged to that passenger, or at least you could have articulated, you would have had probable cause to believe that that belonged to the passenger, and this guy's in the wind, and you don't know who he is, and now you, you don't have the ability to arrest him. You, maybe you figure out who he is, then you can write a search warrant for him, or I mean, excuse me, an arrest warrant for him then you can move about that way. But if you had them seized and you had them staying there, you could make the arrest once you found that stuff. Now, having said all of that, 
and now having some clarification on the fact that passengers are seized because of the stop, this question comes up all the time. So now that we know the passengers are considered seized during a traffic stop, we must address this. Can officers require passengers to provide identification? What are your thoughts on that? You know that they're seized and they, they are going to be seized for the duration of the stop because of the traffic uh, infraction. So do you believe based on that, can you require them to provide identification? The answer to that is no, you cannot. This is kind of where the Fourth Amendment, where Terry, where it splits, the Terry rationale splits. The argument was made and upheld by the Supreme Court. The passengers are seized because of the traffic stop, because there are passengers in it. But if you don't have reason to believe, reasonable suspicion, right? If you don't have reasonable suspicion that they are engaged in any criminal activity, this is kind of where that seizure splits. So again, could you pat them down for weapons based on the seizure? Yeah, absolutely. If you can articulate a reason to believe they're armed and dangerous. Can you make them identify themselves? No. The only This falls under Hibble. If you look at Hibble, um, and in the state of Colorado, there's actually statutorily, if you are investigating from a reasonable suspicion standpoint, a crime, the individual that you're investigating at this point, even though it's reasonable suspicion, you don't have probable cause to arrest, must identify himself. So it, it falls right under Hibble. But the fact is that you're not investigating these people. They're just simply seized because of the traffic stop itself. Um, they, they do not have to give you information. They don't have to tell you who they are. They can't lie to you if they do, but they don't have to, to give you that information. So if they do, though, here's a, here, I'll take this a little bit further. So you ask them, hey, hey, would you mind telling me who you are? Or, you know, give me some ID. And the passenger pulls out his ID card and gives it to you. Can you take that card back to your car and run him? What do you think about that? And the answer is yes, you can. Now, in Colorado specifically, there was a case called People vs. Jackson. It was a 2002 case in which an officer had made a traffic stop, occupant, driver, ultimately asked for ID from both of them consensually. The passenger pulls out his ID and gives, gives it to the driver or gives it to the officer. The officer goes back to his car, runs the guy, finds out that the passenger has a warrant for his arrest, goes up, arrests him. Um, search incident to arrest. He finds, I think it was meth on him as well, and arrests him not only for the arrest warrant that he's got, but also for the dope. That case ultimately went to the Supreme Court of Colorado, and this is pre-Brenlin. So passengers were free to leave. Ultimately, was the dope was suppressed um, on Jackson because the argument was made that once the officer walked back to his car with Jackson's ID, Jackson would not feel free to leave. So therefore he was being detained unlawfully. Uh, and so they suppressed the dope. Now that is no longer, that's a moot point anymore on traffic stops now that you've got Brenlin uh, and Johnson. So if you do ask and they do give you the ID, um, you can take it back to the car because they are seized for the duration of the stop, so that they're not going to feel like they weren't free to leave anyway. Now, I do understand that in certain states, I think there's four or five of them, 
this would not be applicable. This argument would not be applicable in those states. I think Washington's one of them, probably Oregon, um, because of the fact that you can't even talk to those people, uh, passengers in vehicles, for traffic violations only that are stopped. You can't even engage the passengers. Thank goodness in Colorado and a lot of other states you can do that. But just understand, in Colorado specifically, I'm talking about, um, you cannot demand ID from them. And I'm sure that falls into a lot of other states and uh, municipalities. In fact, I know, uh, I think it's in the Eighth Circuit, um, if I recall correctly, it's, uh, uh, what's it called, Shufflebeam uh, is the case. Um, let me see if I actually have it real quick. Yeah, or I'm sorry, Stufflebeam versus Harris, Eighth Circuit, 2008. That actually would be applicable just like it is here. Uh, an officer ultimately was sued civilly because he demanded, I think he ultimately arrested the guy because the guy would not give him ID and he wasn't required to do so. So just to understand that, passengers, you can ask them, you can't require them. And in Colorado specifically, this Jackson case I just referenced, it would be applicable if it was a pedestrian contact. So think about this from that standpoint. If you're, you know, probably if you're a proactive officer, you're kind of living around consent anyway. So you drive down, you see something, you want to go talk to some guy that's walking up the street. So you pull up, you walk up to him, you contact him consensually. If you ask to see ID and he wants to give you his ID and he does, my recommendation so that you adhere to, to really kind of the Jackson ruling, write the information down, give the ID back to him, continue to engage him in a consensual contact, and then you can run him when you're doing that. Because if you hold on to his ID and then you run him based on holding on to his ID, ultimately he's got a warrant for his arrest, um, you're going to have kind of the same issue if you end up finding some contraband on him, something like that incident to arrest, that he would not have felt free to leave because you were holding on to his ID. So again, Jackson would be applicable uh, in pedestrian contact. So um, bottom line is, or takeaways, uh, passengers are seized based on the traffic stop. If it, you know, when you're thinking about, again, not probable or not probable cause or reasonable suspicion, but they just happen to be passengers in vehicles that are stopped for traffic violations they are seized. Understand that they are seized. They are not free to leave. They're seized for the duration of the stop or until you let them go. Again, my recommendation is do not let them go. Uh, and, however, um, so, excuse me, they're seized for the duration of the stop or until you let them go. Because they're seized, if you can articulate a reason to believe that they're armed and dangerous, then you can pat them down. You can get all of them out of the car. Again, Maryland versus Wilson would be applicable for that to allow you to get all passengers out of the car. You can control their movement as well because they are seized, which means that you could have them have a seat on the curb you can, or wherever you know to control their movement. Um, and again, if you have reason to believe that they're armed and dangerous, you can pat them down. Uh, and obviously, if you find a weapon, contraband, something like that, uh, then you can make the arrest. So I hope that's helpful. Um, you know, obviously, if it's a weapon, again, I guess I should have said 
um, depending on if you have charges, carrying a concealed weapon, something like that. If it's applicable, uh, maybe you have charges that you could you could arrest them for on that. Um, so uh, understand that. But bottom line is they are seized. However, the seizure might allow you to pat them down. It does not allow you to demand ID from them. I hope that's helpful. If you have questions about this, uh, you need some more clarity, uh, please let me know. Please reach out to me. Um, if you have other questions about that pertain to this or other things, let me know. It may lead to another pod- podcast again. I'll be doing a lot of podcasts on different topics. Uh, certainly more topics on uh, dealing with passengers or drivers in vehicles. There's a lot more to talk about with that. But this specific incident or instance when you are dealing with people, um, passengers on traffic stops related to traffic violations only, there's still a lot of officers, even though we're 16 years down uh, from this particular case call or Brenlin case, there are still officers out there that believe passengers are free to leave. That is just not the case. So if you've been letting them go, don't. Um, that would be my recommendation and you don't have to because they're seized for the duration of the stop or until you let them leave. So again, hopefully this is helpful. Uh, Until next time, uh, I wish you the best. Take good care of yourselves. Take care of your your fellow officers. If you need anything from me, reach out. Uh, And until next time, be safe, take care, and we'll see you at the next podcast. Thanks.